Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I don't think that's going to work. I'm not that Amelie, right? Just stick it in the plant pot. The 278th episode of the 28 Minute Tim's Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie. I'm joined by Melly. Yes. And Stephen. Good to be back. Who instructed me not to see episode <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast. Thank now, you. Yeah. We've been doing this podcast for a wee while. And we still get lots of tweets and comments and retweets and people thanking us for the podcast and saying they're enjoying it and leaving us reviews and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we get people asking how best to support the podcast if they want to buy a badge or a mug and all that sort of stuff. You can do it. So I'm just going to run through a couple of ways to support this podcast that cost you money and don't cost you money. Just to say, you know, here's how to do it if you're that way inclined. Top of the bill, patreon.com slash 20 minute times is the best way to support this podcast. If you want wonderful extra content from us, videos, podcasts, writing, Covering Celtic from every conceivable angle by three match-going fans and our friends and yes. contributors. Patreon.com slash 20-Minute Tims. The details will be on the screen and in the links below. And you can sign up from £2.50 a month eh, all the way up to nine quid a month, which is obviously reduced if you sign up for a whole year. And you can enjoy lovely, wonderful content and support this podcast and allow us to do brand new and interesting things. Alternatively, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Please, yeah. Five stars. Easy enough to do. Just leave us a wee review, how much you enjoy the podcast. All that sort of stuff. iTunes, I think it's in the app you can do that. And you can also do it on Podcast Addict and other apps. Uh, and another way to support the podcast is just retweet us. Tell a friend. Tell people you like the podcast. You see the podcast come out. Just hit retweet. All that sort of stuff doesn't cost any money, but it really helps get the word out there about the podcast. And we really appreciate it. Melly. Hit, hit that subscribe button. Oh, James. Oh. Smash that subscribe button, folks. Hit <laughs> that subscribe button. Subscribe. Responsibly. Like- Tyson Fury, that subscribe button. I don't know the first thing about boxing, but you've seen that. <laughs> you dick. Hey, watch yourself. These will get you. These will get you big bear paws sitting here. Um, Melly, the mother will like money because it doesn't seem so because they don't want anyone to attend football matches. No, they'd rather people paid paid 12 measly pounds to watch it instead of getting two, three times that to go to the game. You called his match going Celtic fans there in that wee intro, but locked out again of Celtic Park. The eh, clean, Fur Park yeah, sorry. the clean shirts of the Scottish <laughs> League are doing it again now. Obviously COVID yeah. is very serious and all that sort of stuff. And we did reach out to Motherwell for comment on this and a wee bit of understanding why, but they didn't get back to us. Um, but it seems, Stephen, that Motherwell are operating sort of enhanced Covid protocols that mean the Celtic team have to walk through a portion of the stadium to get to the bar. Black, look, <sighs> could they just let us in to watch the game? Yeah. We don't want to watch it 
on your pishy app that we can't even stream to our televisions. You have to watch it on a laptop. It barely works on an iPad. You know, it's 2021. There are porn sites, Stephen. <laughs> I heard. Yeah, I heard, yeah. Um, free ones that offer a better view. You know, you can get it in 4K now. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it's an awful lot of detail for porn. Don't really need it. Wasted on me for the first, you know, you only watch three minutes of porn anyway. Skip, to, skip to the end. Skip, <laughs> skip, skip to the end, right? You're, you're, but the fact of the matter is, it should not be difficult, right? If you're not going to let the fans in the stadium, and by the way, let us in, shouldn't be difficult to offer a decent service. Is 4K that thing where you go to the cinema and you sit in a, a seat that rumbles about and things are sprayed into your face? That's did, that's did they do that? Porn. Goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, that's a, that unpleasant entry uh, into the podcast aside. Entry. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's just a bit naff, isn't it? See, when you're actually watching it on, on the stream, and as, as you say, I can't even make it compatible with a Chromecast in 2021 as well. So I have to sit on my, uh, with it on my, quite literally in my lap and watch it. And it's just, a, it's just a quite crap way to watch the football, but it looks crap on the, the laptop as well I've seen crap a lot yeah. but um, that's that's the, that's because that's what it is but when you watch a game like that Melly said it on a reaction as well you expect to see a full stadium seeing yeah. as Melly yeah. could, we couldn't get tickets for it so but there was that huge bit that huge bit down the, down the corner separating the, the fans that could easily have fit uh, an extra I kind of feel like this reason. was acceptable when lockdown happened and when we were all locked out the stadium and all that sort of stuff See if you're going to continue it. Like, we could accept the hodgepodge nature of it during lockdown, right? We're all scrambling to, we'll take it. It's the only way we can watch a game, right? We'll watch it on our laptops. It's the only thing we can do. But there's no reason for that now. So this is a service that you're offering and people are paying for it and it's rotten or crap, as, as, as Steve <laughs> yeah. would say. So that is the first the first complaint. Just, I know it's got to be safe and everyone's got the jag and all this sort of stuff, but going to just let us in to watch the games because we're a wee bit sick here. Open the gates, let me yeah. rejoin my mates. <laughs> That's a good slogan. <laughs> yeah. We should we should, uh, we should steal that. Um, the alternative though is you could uh, listen to Tom and Jerry on Celtic TV. No, 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 no. Motherwell TV for me, please. I got his goal with no commentary, just crowd noises. Oh, you lucky, lucky, <laughs> lucky, lucky man. Goodness me. Uh, yeah, the, the, I didn't see, I didn't see the Celtic TV version. I plumped for the. The pay-per-view. I, d- mm. I did my duty to Scottish football and I went out and paid it. Yeah, uh, Got my, my money's worth. It's but, nah, was No, for me, I just opted for the, the freebie on Hayes goal. And do you know what? It was worth it because I got to see Celtic win 2-0, really. Yeah, it was a decent game. It was, so far this season, we've seen the best and the worst from Celtic. We've seen them pump teams. We've seen them get pumped by teams. But a lot of sexual imagery oh, on so this there podcast is, so already. That'll be the last of it. And then the Aberdeen game we saw us grind out a victory. But in this game, it was a more controlled victory. <laughs> so it's something we've lacked this season. 2-0 Celtic. Never looked like losing the game once we scored. Never looked like it was going to be any sort of danger. It's another one to add to the, the arsenal we've got. We can pump teams. We can go out there and grind out the results. And we can control games and get the win. Because there's going to need to be lots of games like this in the Over season. Over the course of the season, Stephen. There ain't nothing wrong with a little pump and grind, is there? <laughs> no, there absolutely is not. And that is the one and only R. Kelly R. reference Kelly? we're oh, going to have. That was R. Kelly or uh, Bobby Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's the other one. It's Arkeley. So that that'll be the that'll be the last of that. Thank thank you very much. The, the game the game itself. Oh, I, the, no. Again, just important to get another win because you, we never know what's going to what we're going to be confronted with post international break. Mm. Whether we're going to be another raft of injuries oh. like we got the last time. Thankfully, that didn't happen. But that's the first time we've won two games in a row since August. I'll be either side of the international break, but two competitive games for Celtic. One 
both away. Mm. That's something, isn't it? That's that's something to be encouraged by going forward, surely. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. and, and you know, it was a positive weekend all round. The Huns dropped points oh. and we managed to close the gap a wee bit on them, which is obviously important in the grand scheme of things as the season goes on. I think as far as the lineup goes, um, everyone's favourite talking point started at left back. <laughs> <laughs> if we're not talking about uh, Furuhashi in Celtic land, then it's uh, Bowling Bowley and Bombo, who, as far as I can tell, this might be a controversial opinion, just plays when there's literally no one else left to play. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Well, Liam Scales is on the bench, so... Mm. It was actually about Liam Scales, jeez. Uh, uh, Bowling Bowley, it's, it's another puzzler. We sat here one month ago, one calendar month ago, and basically had the exact same conversation about how we didn't Almost ex- exactly a month ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, didn't expect him to see him back in the team at all but now he's been in the team twice separated by a month again albeit either side of an international break it's just quite an odd one what I, what I would really like from the bowling goalie thing is to just be kind of over it yeah. and by, by that I mean he just plays or he's part of the squad or whatever so we're not having this monthly debate as to his value to but the squad is that and all maybe that. no the case is that maybe no the case there's no nefarious there's always suggestions that because of what happened last year and we don't need to go into it everybody knows what we're talking about that he's been sort of blacklisted from the lineup, yeah, and yeah. I saw suggestions online that Ange played him last week last month but was then told oh you don't play that guy I, I just see if Celtic see if there was any overarching thing about no wanting Bowley at the club Celtic would have got a deal they would have sold, that club would have taken Bowley and Bowley goalie on loan or, they would, or Celtic could have sold him or whatever I think they would have tried to get rid of him in the summer whether they, probably, they well maybe you're probably right but the point I'm making is I think Steve's, I think he's just part of the squad now and he fits in as much, many players do in the pecking order Behind Greg Taylor, Montgomery, and then he's third choice left back. Probably, it's not as if out of all those left backs you can say definitively Greg Taylor is by far the best one. Mm. Then it's probably Montgomery. Then it's Bone Go. They're all know the best. Yeah. So yeah. when he comes in, I for me, I think he has fine. to be above Montgomery. I can understand you probably want to give Montgomery minutes for his development and all that sort of stuff. But if you're just looking at who's the better player. There's obviously a reason I'm just picking Montgomery over Bowling Goalie and you have to sort of trust the manager in his judgment a wee bit. But I think Bowley's played twice in the month. He's been fine. He's yeah. not been brilliant. There's nothing that's saying to me, this guy's a world-class left-back that for some mystery reason we're not playing. He just fits in. He plays okay. And I think he's just... I think he maybe is much of a muchness with Greg Taylor, but I think it's just a case of Greg Taylor's putting the time, putting there was the manager trust Greg Taylor a bit more. Probably, but maybe the thing with Montgomery, he only played because Montgomery got injured on Friday and he'll be he'll be back for the game on Tuesday, so he'll be back in there we'd we'd presume. But with Montgomery, at least he's got a future with the club. He's a bright prospect. You probably Angie's probably looking to build something here, so it'd be better playing Montgomery if he thinks it's much of a much and getting him the better player. Whereas bowling goalie Celtic probably try to get rid of him this summer. They'll probably try to get rid of him in the next window. So that's probably why he's playing him. But the two performances he's put in, he's been fine. And that's fine for bowling goalie. He's not brilliant. He still does his terrible passes early on and five-yard passes he gives away. Doesn't do anything special, but one of those other players are fine. In a sense, nothing's really changed yeah. since since he signed. He was always just just okay. And that, that's the, the most puzzling thing about bowling goalie for me is the... The extremes in opinion that he seems to yeah, provoke. It's, it's, uh, uh, to me, I get again, we've already had this discussion. Like a whole but just, camp of people that just want to write the guy off and they should never wear the Celtic shirt yes, again. Yeah. And then at the other side of that, right, there's a whole camp of people that go, this guy's the best left back at the club. He's a Champions League level left back. He should be playing week in, week out. And there's some 
nefarious reason why he's not playing when in actual fact the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle yeah, and that's right. where I am that's where I find right. myself right in the middle of that debate looking at the way extremes going like, uh, I don't know what you're talking media about again, isn't it? Oh, aye, exactly but I've never really seen it in him that suggests he's an absolutely terrible footballer and I've also never seen it in him that he's anything outstanding at all I think he's just okay but he's no further on from where he was when he first came out of the team yeah. almost two years ago now that when he lost his place after that Clyde game and Greg Taylor played the rest of the, the rest of that season neither of them really outstand out over the other and I think well Greg Taylor's obviously not available just now saying all that I would play him just now ahead of Montgomery yeah, because yeah. there's no and that's complicated by the European thing I, mm. I, I realise that he's not available for Europe so it's not a case of just playing him which tells you as well Gives you maybe an insight into what the manager's thinking was well, when he saw this guy in training for the last yeah. couple of months. Well, at the time, he certainly wasn't in the plans when the, the squad was announced, and that's probably what's fueled a lot of the conspiracy stuff. But the Montgomery thing, I, I think he'll go far. I think he'll be a good player for, for Celtic Montgomery, but he's not in good form, and there's no reason to just play him through it when there are other options there, and Bully Goalie picks that box, really. Moving into the midfield, we saw the sort of return of the Turnbull, Rogic, McGregor axis, Stephen, that, that's come under a bit of scrutiny recently. People are not too happy about it. Myself included, I'd sort of washed my hands with Tom Rogic. Um, I know, Melly, you said pre-pod, I'm going to have to apologise for that. No, <laughs> not yet. I'm, look, I'm once bit and twice shy with Tom Rogic. I'm not falling into this trap of saying he's back just because he's had one good game. Um, David Turnbull's performance, I thought it was a bit honking up until the goal, to be perfectly honest with mm. you. I thought McGregor... Just low-key ran the show in midfield for us. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with all of those things. Really, okay, Melly, what were your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> McGregor was, was Callum McGregor, the all-powerful force in there, basically just keeping everything ticking over in, in the midfield like he, he's more than capable of. Turnbull, I thought, had a bit of a shocker. I don't know if, with what's come out after the game, when he's talking quite a lot about respecting the team that... that did so much for him and no one to celebrate against. Do you think he's trying to be deliberately shite? Is that what you're getting? <laughs> no, no, he wasn't deliberately shite, but maybe the, the the occasion of it and thinking about will I celebrate or not, maybe it just got, kind of got to him a wee bit. But it, I mean, he's he's been fine largely recently, but just not outstanding. I think he's just playing far too much. And it's not that I want him out of the team, it's just that prior to this game, I believe that the two of them can't really play that well together, him yeah. and Rogic. And it kind of bore out like that again. One tends to be quite good while the other one suffers and that Rogic was much, much better in this game and Turnbull had a bit of, had a, bit of a shocker. Like I've, I've spoken about Turnbull before on the podcast, Melly, my thoughts are that maybe Sean, a bit like Sorrow did, only to not as an extent it's Sorrow, Sean in a really underperforming Neil Lennon Celtic team is a breath of fresh air, but ultimately as a player that shouldn't really be relied upon week in, week out for the Celtic midfield and it's, for, and it's games like that that sort of stick out to me. I mean, that's I know it's the occasion of Fur Park, but other players would go there as Celtic players with their chest held high going, right, this is a good stage for me to perform on. He just didn't do it and it's kind of indicative of Turnbull season a wee bit. Um, I kind of disagree with that. I think he'll be a really good player for Celtic. I think going forward he'll either get a big move or he'll be a Celtic mainstay for years to come. We I, I don't disagree, but what I'm saying is, is he good enough now to be playing for Celtic midfield week in, week out? Uh, that That is the problem, isn't it? Because maybe he is good enough now, but he's going to have dips in form, but there's literally nobody else to play. So what he has to do is just play through it. And he's doing that. There's nobody else. You wouldn't want Sorrow in there. James McCarthy's sake, no. not an option. <laughs> Who? Exactly. And mm. so... We're really short in there, but David Turnbull, he gives us something. The second goal was great. He had another chance early on where he goes through and he picks the wrong option. Was that when he shot and he should have yeah. played through? Yeah. I mean, so, that's the first time I've seen Furashi angry. 
Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was fuming at And that. rightly so, there was three good options ahead of him. So he is still learning his game. He's had a long time out. I'm willing to, willing to give him the benefit of the doubt right now because I think he will go on to be a good player. And the best way for him to be a good player for Celtic is to play games and get better. But do you think he gets a? But do you think Stephen he gets a bit of a fair crack at the whip? David Turbo, I mean that chance. I think he's he's become the whipping boy. But you think mm. so? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's my fault. But I thought at the beginning, Stephen, that like you're saying, like that one where he should have played through. I mean that's. Criminal that shot he took on was yeah yeah I, a bad choice and again I wonder if these things just kind of got in his head a wee bit going into this game for whatever reason I, I don't know but it, it seemed uncharacteristic from him because I mean look at the, like the goal he scored was unbelievable so it'd be very unkind of us to sit here and say what a terrible game he had despite the fact they pulled that winner for the game out of the bag but I, I my overall thoughts on David Turnbull is that he's a very good player but I worry about him a wee bit when it comes to his. His mobility and athleticism for his age, he's, he kind of it doesn't quite get about the pitch as much as I would expect a, a midfielder at Celtic to be. And I don't know if he's necessarily as creative as we would probably like him to be either. I don't think he's ever going to be the, you know, the kind of well, he doesn't need to be Tom Rogic because some occasionally Tom Rogic is Tom Rogic. But uh, I, I, I'm, I find it a funny one with Turnbull just now. Because there's just simply no other, it, there's no any other options. It's, it's unfair again to sit here and be like, "Oh, he's playing too much," but it's not his fault. Yeah, but no, his fault. It. He's playing through ropey form, and it's, it's a kind of with Celtic the way Ange plays. It is a complicated system that mm, we've been right. told so many times. It takes time for everybody to get used to to know their roles. David Turnbull's played for Motherwell, then he's came into a new Lennon team. It's not exactly the best grounding for a tactical, tactical genius in there. So I think it will take a wee bit of time and. Over time, we will see the best of David Turnbull. But the, as you're saying, the best thing right now, maybe not for a couple of weeks, but maybe one game, just take him out and bring him back in. But we've simply not got the option right now. Do you know now. what I want to see, Stephen? I want to see a game where all three of our midfielders are playing like we know they can play. We we, we seem to like, it's like that game where there be things under the cup and you have to guess. <laughs> right, like yeah. You have to guess every week. You've got three midfielders. You have to guess which one's yeah. going to have the, a great game because they never seem to perform. Yeah. All at once. It's the cup with Cal McGregor's face on it. Basically, yeah. that's the one the ball is going to be under. It's um, Tom Rogic had a really good game, though. Yeah, he did. Oh, yes. And what, we've already been here with Rue Rogic so far this season. I think we sat here in about September or something like that. In fact, before that, probably August. Done it last season as well. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think the consensus we came to, what we all agreed was okay, it's going well. This is very, very good from Tom Rogic. But let's see how we're going, getting on in November, December time when he's, he's maybe had that, that dip that he can that he's capable of having. See, I washed my hands of him right, a couple of weeks ago <laughs> in this podcast. I says, I'm sick of him. I'm sick of the guy. Wash my hands. Enough's enough. For me, one good performance isn't, I'm not ready to say, oh, well, come on back, Tommy. I, I, all is forgiven. I take it back. I'm not ready for that. But that is more like it. But as you say, that's been Tom Rogic's season so far. Hmm. Glimpses. Glimpses. And we can't afford really to have glimpses of good performances well, can... on a, in a senior player that we rely on to make things tick. You can make that for probably every player back Al McGregor can't you in the yeah. Celtic team everybody's had dips everybody's had times where they've looked good and I think that's going to happen as part of this rebuild because it is a new team a no, team in transition I'm not having this I'm not having this like free pass it's delivered. not a free pass but because he's played well and if he doesn't play well we say he's not he's not playing well but at the same time that Celtic are going through this big rebuild the manager needs time to get this style right but Players should just instantly play well in it. You're saying the, the midfield haven't all played well together. Well, what's the alternative to that? Just chop and change it every week? No, I mean, we have, to, we have to keep them out. I'm just talking about my personal feelings on Tom Rogic at the moment is he's not doing enough. He's not doing enough for the position he's been given. He's he's kind of been brought back into the fold a wee bit. He's been relied upon. 
he's capable of producing performances like this, but he's sometimes the most frustrating player in the world. And you can put up with these frustrations when it's a young guy. You think, oh, those are frustrating mistakes you make. But I'm just like, Tom Roderick just needs to be better, do better, impose himself in the game more. And we could get into the, we could get all esoteric about it and be like, well, maybe he wants to, but he's incapable and all that sort of stuff. Right. But the, but the fact is, and I know we're stuck with the guy because I know Halloween's coming up. James McCarthy's doing a cracking impression of the invisible man <laughs> at, the, at the moment. The world's most pointless signing, it looks like. But when I see Tom Roderick, I think, right, more games like this, and then I'm willing to change my mind on you. But right now, you're not doing enough for me. <laughs> this has been this Tom Rogic story since he's been here. He'll be cracking, then he'll fall out, and then he'll come back and then fall out. This is just how it's going to be with Tom Rogic. I think he's now in his late twenties. I don't think it's going to change for him. He's not all of a sudden going to be this guy that can do it week in week out. Because if he could, he wouldn't be at Celtic. But sort of changed my mind a wee bit on Tom Rogic in another sense that. Usually I'd say, oh, maybe it's the home games against lesser teams that Tom Rogic should be playing. But when I think about him and all his best moments in a Celtic jersey, they're all away from mm, home, yeah, really. Whether yeah. it's at Hamden, Fur Park, Ibrox, Rugby Park. Rugby Park, all the big Tom Rogic moments, most of them are away from home. So maybe that's what he needs, that space to open up. Because we've seen with the first goal that... We've seen Celtic score lots of goals this season, but that one on the counter-attack was absolutely brilliant. It was quick, it was incisive. It's what teams in Europe score against us. They win the ball back and bang, they're in. And fair play to Kyogo as well. I was speaking to Stephen about this on the reaction. If Ayeti's playing up front, Celtic don't score that goal because he simply doesn't do what Kyogo does. And that's the wee fine margins that Celtic need in this team because we're going through this rebuild. I know I mentioned it again, but... If everybody works hard in this, you create things like that. If Ayeti was there, he would have stood there and watched that happen. Yogo wins the ball. The ball from Rogic is... Mo Salah put one on the plate for Manny the other day where Manny didn't have to even break stride. Jota was the same. He just brought it across with his right foot and smashed it in with the left foot. And I I can't remember what international game I've seen recently. I thought, I wish Celtic would score a goal at that. And then the following game they did. Exactly. (laughs) It was brilliant. It was brilliant to watch. And it just settled the game there. And for the first time this season away from home, as soon as Celtic scored that, I thought, right, we're not going to lose this game. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We just need to control it. And it was just a good performance after that. No philosopher said that. Gabriel. Yeah, it wasn't Desiree. It wasn't, it wasn't Desiree. Um, who's the best? I'm going to ask you a question and then I'm going to ask you for your answer and then I'm going to give you the correct answer after <laughs> right, it. Right. Who's the best player in the Celtic team at the moment? Callum McGregor. On form? Ah, it's hard to argue against Callum McGregor. He's it's Jota. Tremendous. It's Jota? Okay. Jota's, the best, Jota's the best player on the team. Yes? No, no. Can, can you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no. No, right. Okay, good. Right. You, You've convinced me, <laughs> Stephen. What, what a debate that I was. Know, that was I one got, for the ages. That was like um, Hitchens versus somebody else. <laughs> I don't know. I can't name other debaters. Right? Stephen Fry, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's more to come from Jota, but Cal McGregor, you can put him in and you know what you're going to get. You're mm. going to get at least a 7 out of 10. You've got everything you get. And he is older than Jota. He's more experienced. But with Jota, what I love about him is he's contributing. He's got three goals and three assists in his eight games for Celtic. Great but I still think he could dominate games more and dominate different out the wide areas. But I don't really see defenders terrified of him yet. But, and I think he waking up, that could, that could come, but with Cal McGregor, you know what you're going to get Jota. He can be in and out games, but then he pops up with a big king 
the big goals, the assists. So more to come from him, and he's played against some of the goals are Rafe Rovers and that sort of thing. So, but I think McGregor, Kyogo, and now Jota probably three Celtic's most important players. We did say Stephen. I think it was the last flagship podcast we did a couple of weeks ago that when Celtic are playing badly, we kind of seem a wee bit like um, Strachan and McGeady. Give the ball to Jota. Yeah, make yeah, something happen. Yeah. Give the ball to Jota. Make something happen. We are much more varied than I play against Motherwell but he still managed to massively contribute yeah well that's his third goal and is that just eight games I think mm-hmm. Mel you said it was three goals and three assists so far in goal eight games. involvements is that what that's goal called? involvements yeah. that's what the kids are calling it these days GI um, yeah GI um, GI Jota that's only one shot of El Yunusi about the same time when he's mm. signed for Celtic he had four in his first eight games as well I think the only one really better than that would be Scott Sinclair but he hit the ground absolutely on fire he got about ten goals in his first ten games or something like that from memory hit the ground on fire <laughs> yeah, hit the ground on fire <laughs> <laughs> what was he doing on fire? I've absolutely no idea, but he hit the ground uh, on fire. <laughs> we're really, we're really, sh- really, you can tell every time we take a, a couple of weeks off doing the podcast, we come back and everything's all over the place. The metaphors, meta- especially. Uh, yeah, metaphors are all over the cheek floor. demonic players for not getting sparkling <laughs> yeah, for. Tom Rogers listening to this podcast and going, You're talking about me? You just have one good podcast in every four. But what, what Jota has in common with guys like Patrick Roberts and El Yunusi and all that, obviously not Sinclair, but <laughs> Melly blesses himself for the benefit of the audio listeners only, uh, is that it's, it's another, not not proof as such, but it's another good sign that the loan system works for Celtic by and large, isn't it? I know people always have a, a problem when Celtic bring in players we on loan. five players and one of them was a loan. Aye, and, loan and players, but maybe one are better players. developing other people's players and all that sort of stuff. But fine, right, but if you get Did a chance... Billy Gilmore at Norwich. Aye, aye, aye exactly. I mean, it's nothing new. Celtic are the only. But I think it's a Norwich loans. manager that says we're not here to develop other teams. Aye, maybe yeah, weekend. Yeah, Billy Gilmore. <laughs> He's only a better player. <laughs> exactly, but John. Jota just shows you that if you can get quality like that into your team, just do it and yep. worry about it later. You know what I mean? It's, sure. it's yes, it's a loan, but there is the option to buy. For me, that's absolutely perfect. That's how it's supposed to work. Try before you buy. If he's a Wild success, get him signed at the end of the season. If he's a flop, then nothing lost, really. The Jota has been. The old Jetty thing, we're choking for a loan to buy for him last season <laughs> now, so we could get rid of him. <laughs> I, I, know, I got him a loan at the time, uh, go out and buy him, man. Make a statement. We could have sent him down the road with this, the duds. Yep. Uh, uh, look, unfortunately, we've not got a loan to buy on James McCarthy. <laughs> um, look, we all want James McCarthy to succeed. And obviously, when players, you hear this all the time, we didn't have a good preseason. When players don't have a good preseason, mm, they yeah. kind of struggle to make an impact over the course of the rest of the season. But what worries me a wee bit is the press don't even ask the manager to even talk about James McCarthy this weekend. He was out of the team, wasn't in the lineup, and you well, just assume that he's injured. Mm, there's no, yeah. there's no talk about him. Are you starting to worry a wee bit, Stephen, about this four-year contract we've given him? Uh, not starting to worry about that. That was basically as soon as it was announced. I thought that's that's ambitious. Four years for the guy. It's it's not looking great for him just now. Yeah, it's not another unexplained absence. Maybe we'll find out in a few days that he has picked up a knock. But even then, that's not particularly good news either, is it? Because he's that was the thing about McCarthy is that he can't really go that long without picking up some injury or other. It's it's a strange one, McCarthy. I'm not really adding anything to the debate by saying that because everyone, I think, is basically in the same boat when it comes to trying to analyse the sense in this signing. He was the, really the only midfield signing of note in the yeah. summer, wasn't he? So he was the guy in that area that was brought in. I just I, I just worry that it's going to turn out like one of these things. We've taken on a player, it's a complete disaster, and he ends up at, I don't know, Reading in January or something weird like that. So... It's not an emergency just now. Celtic are playing okay, but we need midfield options. And if Soros bombed out the picture and McCarthy can't be the other guy in there, then we're the problem thin on the ground. The thing is, Melly, McCarthy will be on big money. 
And mm, I know yeah. he was apparently a Dermot Desmond signing and that, that comes with its own problems and comes with its own issues and whether the manager wanted him or scouted him, whatever the case may be, he's at Celtic now, taking up a big wage and we're heading into sort of November time and he's, he's no contributed a thing. No, it's been disappointing so far. I, I still harbour hopes that he's going to be a good player. I, I, because well, he, I think we all do. He is a good footballer, but as you said, the, every player mentioned that pre-season's massive. James McCarthy was available all pre-season. He was training by himself then. Then he's coming into a Celtic team where the training is meant to be very intense and that's hard for MD. I spoke about it a few weeks ago. Going from Roy Hodgson to Ange Podstokoglu is a massive, massive yeah, yeah. shift in training intensity. So it was going to take a while. But again, it's it comes down to James McCarthy, but it also comes down to Celtic. We were relying on bringing in a player who has been injured a lot who we need to be available because we got ourselves into such a mess. Yeah, and exactly. We, we lost in Cham, Brown and Christie. Now, whether you wanted any of them to stay or not, fine. One of them staying would have been good, but to get rid of all three, that could have been a start in midfield in some games last year. And to bring in a guy who's injury prone or been injured the last few years was very risky. And we've seen now that luck's not been with Celtic this season. And this is what happens. 
I'm going to run a little competition for fun of sorts in the comments below on YouTube. Type in the minute and second that you spot the continuity error, and um, yeah, we'll pick it. We'll pick. We'll pick a winner. <laughs> it's like the naked gun or something like that. There's just something that was in the was on the set, and then is now not. But yeah, to sum it up. Yeah, to summarise the James McCarthy thing, it's it's unfortunate, isn't it? I yeah. think I think we especially need... when we're so thin on the ground with oh, bodies. I... You know what I mean? When we need bodies in there, you're looking. I know the manager at the weekend was talking about. He's he's feeling a bit better about his midfield, um, about his backup options. You look at the bench with Scales, Biton, Jamakis, or Yakimakis rather, Ayeti, Mikey Johnson, Scott Bain, and Stephen Welsh. You think right? We're starting to get options in yeah. here. All we're missing really is a reliable midfield option. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I think the the thing going forward is. There's going to be a lot of games between now and December, uh, now in January even, and Rogic, we're talking about we can't rely on him, so we need something to come in. Does Neil Beaton come in and do that? In the last Aberdeen game, it didn't look great. So what we really need is 1st of January, soon as that New Year's bell hits, Celtic just to hit out with a sign in a midfield. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> it's not going past to happen. Midnight, uh, it's no. not going to happen, but it can't be this season, 31st of January, bringing somebody in. That's far too late because then it's going to be mid to late February before they're good to go. Behind the scenes and out with CEOs and directors of football and anything else that we need recruitment guys. I mean, God knows. Danny Alves is available. Danny Alves most recently played midfield for Sao Paulo. Just saying, just putting it out there, I'm wishing it into existence. Never going to happen. (laughs) Look, overall, I think this was a really good Celtic performance. I I was quite impressed with it. Managed to keep the clean sheet. I thought Carl Starfelt had a decent game. I think people were trying, us included, were a wee bit Again, the shaky, shaky start. I think that stuck with a lot of people. People, a bit like me and Roderick, they're not ready to let that go. They're not ready to turn their back on the shaky start they had. I think, personally, it took him a wee while to adjust to Scottish football, the rough and tumble and people being right on top of you and over the time that he used to have. He's certainly no Christopher Ayer, Stephen. Well, no, he's not exactly the same player as Ayer um, yet. I think he's still settling in and for good reason. I feel like football is now, we just don't give anyone the opportunity to settle into a new team anymore. I know... I'd, the expectation around Celtic is huge, but at the same time, we need to balance that out with letting a guy have, you know, a bit of time to mm. settle into a new league in a completely different country and all that. So, the, the Starfield thing, I, I, I freely admit, I was you know, a bit bewildered by the start he made to, to his Celtic career. I think that has probably stuck with him, and I think a running theme through what we've been talking about basically all night so far is that first impressions often stick when it comes to Celtic players not even just the players the the, the manager everything really a, a lot of it is down to first impressions now Starfield came in against Hearts and was hilariously bad he was terrible against Hearts he had that brutal own goal against oh, AZ I, uh, yeah. first so his first two or three games were comically bad but since then I think he's been pretty solid he has an awkward way of playing that makes him probably an easy target for you know, I don't know. A wee bit of amusement from the from the crowd because of the way he plays. But I think he's been. I think he's been mostly fine. And I think the the way he played his first couple of games has basically stuck. Now it's the same. Well, a lot of players look at Kyogo. Kyogo was so good he hit the ground on fire as well <laughs> in his Celtic career. But he was so good that I firmly believe he could probably go eight to ten games without scoring, and people would still think he'd, he'd been having yeah. a brilliant season. Abada started again really well, scored six goals in his first eight games or something like that. So he, he it's kind of stuck. No one is really criticizing Abada all that heavily because very of the start. recently. Exactly. So he's had two or three very, very ineffective games, but no one is really all that concerned about it because we've already had that 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 start from him. And in a way, Bowling Goalie is is kind of the same. 
I think he's probably carrying a lot from the way he started his career. So I think these kind of things are massive. The Another thing on Starfield is that people say, or I've seen it written that he has 95% pass completion after such and such a game. So he's, he's, his, pass completion, his pass completion is very, very high because 95 is a lot out of 100. Mm-hmm. Now, that is inarguable. Can't argue with the stats on it. But in the context of that, what I would say is that in the stadium, when you're actually in the stadium, any pass that isn't forward is frowned upon at Celtic yeah. Park. That's just part of it. That's just part of the atmosphere. Everybody wants the, the swashbuckling style and all that. And a lot of Starfield's passes, almost all of them, go to either Bowling Goalie in this case or to Cameron Carter-Vickers. Overwhelmingly. I think yeah. it was like about 50 of his 70-odd passes went to either one of those two players. So when you're in the and stadium... that's kind of what I was getting at with it. He's a liar. His playing style yeah, to yeah, is yeah. completely different. He's not... Busting into midfield, galloping by guys, take men out there. Yeah, he did beat a couple of players um, at the weekend there against Motherwell, but it's not the same. It's not the same bravery. It doesn't have that confidence to, to truly stride forward. But the sideways passes, I think, annoys people in the stadium because I mean, they give you a, a, a one a admittedly small example. But I was at a game recently where there was a corner against Celtic. And the ball broke, and it just so happened Jota was the furthest forward player. Jota or Ayeti, it doesn't really matter, but the first person forward towards a halfway line is the one who got the ball. He held it for a couple of seconds, allowing some players to, mm. you know, how, how, he held up the ball. That's how it works. And laid it off, and then he turned. But some, somebody behind me was cracking up that he'd played the ball back. The way. <laughs> and like, so he, he would rather this player, Ayeti or Jota, whichever one it was, would just swivel on it and just run, just mm. run at the goal. So anything that isn't a forwards pass, I get it, is, is a wee bit sort of frowned upon, and it gets the... It's the kind of groans and all that. So maybe that's playing into Starfield's reputation a wee bit. He does play the ball, the ball very conservatively I think in his good, passing. Good for me as well, though, is it's been Carter Vickers and Starfield for the yeah. basically since Carter Vickers came yeah, in. Yeah. And you can have the debate about if you think Welsh is better. I know some people still think Welsh has got a lot to offer. I think Welsh will end up being a decent Celtic player, a decent centre half. I don't know if he's good as the two guys we've got in at the moment. But we're getting that solid partnership, uh, which was another problem for last season that Andrew's yeah. maybe deleting because last season it was chop and change, chop and change all the time. Yeah, the, the team's sort of getting there now. It's becoming a bit more familiar. And the Starfelt as well. See, when you think back, sorry to interrupt, see, when you think back to that first Rangers game, how early was that for us? Oh, I mean, we all sat yeah, here thinking yeah. we every, could every take single game, off them, but it was so early. Hmm. Every game where it's Champions League qualifiers, where it's Rangers, where it's Europa League qualifiers, Europa League group stages, they've all come too early. And, just now, when you're reading out that bench, you're like, well, we've still got Taylor, Forrest, Julian to come back into that. McCarthy, if he gets fit. So it's starting yeah. to get there. But with Starfelt as well, I feel like in games, he has a, a poor start as well and then grows That's into it. Yeah. By the end of the game, you think he's actually been solid since the 15th minute, but he just needs to get that first bit going. But for the second goal, we've seen that first goal. It was a great counter-attacking goal, but the second one was... Another one for the ones that just, just get the ball up the pitch because it's Joe Hart to Starfelt to Bowling Goalie and that sort of left-hand side of Celtic where when Bowling Goalie comes inside, Turnbull goes out outside, the centre mid goes in the outside. That's how he worked up. He plays it out to Kyogo and Jota back inside then Turnbull unleashes this shot. Celtic's whole play went from like 10 yards between the byline all the way up the pitch and it ends in a goal. That's sort of the ange ball, as you love to call it, Stephen. <laughs> That's what it's all about, because playing out from there, you punt that up, it's a 50-50. What about Celtic played that and pl- created the space and scored a great goal. Two, it's this two great goals. from the back, right? I know the Celtic dads are all of an age <laughs> where heart attacks are a real concern for them, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young man, a youngish <laughs> man, okay? 
some of this playing out for the back stuff. See when you've got Joe Hart having to do the <laughs> chopsticks. Oh, it's it's tremendous, man. Well, I mean, aye, it's tremendous. Aye. But you're watching that with your heart in your mouth. And, thinking, and, and there was a couple of occasions <laughs> even against Muller where we're like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. And it just goes out of play. And I know they, I know it's easy to say, oh, you just get rid of that because at the start of the move, you don't know the ball's going to end up out of play. Yeah. So you just retrospectively say they should have punted it, in which case they're probably going to lose position anyway. But the- some of this playing for the back stuff, I- I'm sure the team will get it, but you're watching that going, bloody hell. Well, it's going to be like that because Celtic have so much of the ball, so it's always I'm going ta- to... I'm, not ta- I'm talking about the... The one touch, two touch triangles in our own penalty area ah, that, yeah. that causes shivers of panic. But look at look at the benefits of it. You become better at football. You can get the goal like yeah. we got. Whereas if we do, if we play like that and lose the ball once, that'll be the thing that's jumped upon. But if we punt the ball up the pitch ten times and don't win it once, nobody's going to you really realise. Refreshing it. though. Do you know it's refreshing for all this talk, right? So even when we play well or we don't play well or we lose and we don't lose. Do you know it's quite refreshing as we're looking at a Celtic team here that has a plan. Yeah. A manager yeah. that plays a certain way. Um, and um, sometimes that system, you know, sometimes the players within the system let the system down or whatever you want, however you want to approach it. Sometimes it, this, the, the, some of the parts don't work. Sometimes it does work. But you can actually see we've got a, a manager that's trying to build something. And that's what gives me so much faith in Ange at the moment. It's no, you know, it's, uh, everyone's got different thoughts. Neil Lennon, I may be a bit of a Neil Lennon mark when it comes to things and people just write the guy off. But it, but I say a that, Neil Lennon Francis rather yeah, than a Mark. Yeah, <laughs> I Neil Lennon Francis. And I say this with kindness, Neil, right? It wasn't the last season where you thought, what is the plan here? What are, what nah. are you trying to achieve? Exactly. This is just, you're just throwing all sorts at this to try and make it work. And maybe there was a degree of desperation for Neil Lennon's point of view where he thought, right, I just need to fucking start winning football games. We'll try everything we can. We'll throw centre-halves up front in the last 10 minutes trying to do something. But Ange, you're like, right, okay, the guy's got a plan. Every single person that talks about it says it's difficult at first. You need to work through it. Difficulty at the back. Defenders making an arse at it and blah, blah, blah. And he's not getting players. But you can see we're actually trying something here. Yep. And that this is why it's good you talked about just give it a jota. That's not really Celtic's plan, is yeah. it? They have players that if everybody's doing their roles within it, it shouldn't be relying on individuals. And hopefully once we can get couple of more players back it won't be relying on Kyogo or McGregor if you take them out it doesn't work because we've got this system and everybody should just be able to drop in and out and it creates it's better for us long term again it's short term pain for long term game because if we're going to play like this playing out from the back will we doubt the players that aren't good enough yeah. to do it eventually and then when we do we've seen in some games it can be cracking to watch even the game at the weekend there it was just controlled. Once we get that second goal, bar the Motherwell sort of penalty shout that subsequently turns out the Motherwell player handballed it as well. Motherwell barely had a shot that you could think, oh, that was one we, we got yeah. away with. They'd a couple of balls across the box at the start of the game. But in the second half, they'd absolutely nothing. It was just controlled from Celtic. They played the ball about and it was a sort of perfect result. 2 nil away from home, kept the clean sheet, managed to take Kyogo and Rogic off after the midweek international and we didn't get any injuries that's not happened to Celtic this season no and a, a final thing if I can tie all this talk about plans and, and tactics and all that back into the defence and Starfield not specifically Starfield but I feel like that that's another thing that's still carrying about the, the first impressions that it made I think because there's always going to be teething problems with this playing out for the back stuff. So I think that every time somebody passes it now within their own box, it's like, oh, we're bomb scares. We're all bomb scares. <laughs> yeah. right? So there, there's that as well. But that was the first clean sheet 
away of the season, right? Yeah. I know it's only one, and it's but it's progress. Hopefully, getting better in defence. And I, I was thinking about this as well. I saw a debate going on on Twitter, and it was actually a reasonable one for for a change. It was actually something that actually made sense to me. I know, and oh, wow. I saw someone saying, like, "Why, why is our defence still considered so bad? They've only conceded six goals all season in the yeah. league. That's the second best. I think someone else has got five, right? So there's only one goal of a difference. Why is it always considered so bad?" And I think that plays into it. I think it's just all about the start. It doesn't matter how they're playing just now. It's how you play in the first two or three games of the season that yeah. carries forward. And I, I said to it that I don't think there's ever been a time in my adult life, aside from maybe a wee bit under Martin O'Neill because we were full of big monsters back there, but I don't think there's been many times in my adult life where the Celtic defence hasn't been considered suspect. Even in Europe under Martin O'Neill, it was embarrassing. Well, but but whether whether the the perception actually meets the reality, whether it's actually true, it's always been that oh Celtic need need to shore up that defence. Even when Van Dijk and all that were there, yeah. even it was still that the defence is the weak spot. I know they're they're going to, they're a really good team, but that defence is all the way back to like. In the nineties, it was the, the weak point, even in, on the buns and all that. But since then, we've always had a somewhat decent defence. But it's always the the thing that's focused on, and it's happening again. Why, Melly, is this conversation about Celtic's poor defence happening? And that turns my attention to the Europa League, where Celtic, who, with the worst defensive record in the whole of the tournament, having conceded eight goals, despite what I said earlier. Forget everything Stephen just said. The Europa League, we have conceded eight goals, by far and away the worst defensive record in the whole tournament. We're taking on. You try and be positive, <laughs> it blows up in your face within 30 seconds. You're taking on Ferenc Varos, who, Stephen, if you're looking for a positive, have the second worst defensive record. There we go. So we can expect goals in this game. Obviously, Ferenc Varos. Um, Coming back to haunt us <laughs> after a, a, an absolutely terrible display against them <laughs> last yeah. season, um, knocked out of the Champions League by a team that we really shouldn't have been knocked out by. They were an abysmal team. Well, well, they, well we made them look a lot better yeah. before the game, but I think we all knew that. Yeah. You know, and it was a real, it was a real shocker. And it sort of teed up what was going to be Celtic season last season. Those Ferenc Faros games are always referred to as, you know big red flags for the season and the good thing rolling around against Ferenc Varos is it gives us an opportunity maybe to bookend some progress yeah so what is that we- is the moment isn't it that's the moment yeah. where, where it was brutally exposed yeah. where Celtic were going we didn't know the full horror to come but at that point when after the game when Neil Lennon was ranting about you know players don't want to be here and all that and it's still continuing to this yeah. day we still get a sure. weekly reminder about how all the players are terrible and they're, they're all backstabbing us and all that and they as all wanted to go every time Neil Lennon opens his mouth he, he more or less says the same thing every time he opens <laughs> his mouth about last season he more or less says the same things yeah. that he's saying after Ferenc Faros so yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a big key game for Celtic but I think one way to look at how we might have progressed uh, as we look forward to Ferenc Faros. Awkward time, by the way, for Ferenc Faros. Oh, half three kickoff. Most people listen to this podcast on the Tuesday, so half three kickoff by the time you listen to that. You might even not get around to listen to this podcast until the Ferenc Faros game is over. Yep. Should we edit in two different reactions to it? So uh, if you're listening to this after the game, yes, yeah. what, what a performance that was, or cut. No, that's just bitterly disappointing. And I'll, I'll do that in the edit and right, make, okay. and make sure make sure all, and make sure it all works. And by the way, for that reason, uh, there's no scouting tactics board podcast for Ferris Faros where we look a tactical look at them, but we will do it for the away leg. But with the pilot episode of the women's game coming out podcast that we're doing on, on Patreon, and for this one, there was just no time in the schedule to get it. Out. Very small window. Just uh, that's this kickoff has really caught everyone on the hop. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not really. I 
think it's because Rangers are playing the game at the same time or something. The reasons for it are varied, but it's like... It's Greta Thunberg's fault. Yeah, it's Greta. Happy now, happy now. How dare you? How was she done? COP26 is on, so we need all the polis to be ready for that. Greta, you've stolen my dreams. We're going to a European afternoon. Thank you, Greta Francis Thunberg, for doing that to us. Anyway, we don't want to slag her too much because people assume we're like right-wing idiots. That's what happens on the internet. Anyway. What I thought would be a useful exercise that we could do before or after the game is to compare the two teams, compare it with our predicted lineup, and, hmm. and see how far you think the squads come on. So I'll run through the team. Um, we can do this very quickly, not boringly. Oh, it's scary, I'm man. going to run through the team, and I just want you to say who you think is going to start in that position, whether they're better or worse than the player that they've replaced from that fateful night. And I'm doing yeah. the home game, obviously. So 4-2-3-1 for Celtic, managed by Neil Francis Lennon, uh, now managed by Ange Francis Postacoglu. <laughs> Who is the better manager? Ange. Ah, okay. Barkas and Gold, I think it's pretty obvious that he's not going to be there. Well, that was one of the... I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about Barkas mm. and how he didn't make huge mistakes. He just didn't make any saves. But that was one of the ones that just, the ball went through him. Yes. Didn't it? Basically, yeah. it just didn't cover any of his goal. It was it was to tee up what came in that West Ham friendly. Remember, we were basically just left like two thirds of his goal wide open. It was so... I think we can agree Joe Hart's improvement <laughs> yes, on yes. Uh, Despite what some people might have said when Joe Hart walked in the door. I think Joe Hart is an improvement in the goalkeeping position yeah, yeah. in Barkas. El Hamed, horror show that night. Oh. Brutally shown up. Uh, the man was made of glass. Mm. Could barely get himself fit and injured. Right back for Celtic tomorrow night. Who's it going to be, Melly? Tony. Tony yeah, Boy Ralston. Likely. Is Tony Ralston improvement on El Hamed? Now, this is a tough one, isn't it? Because, no, for me, I think El Hamed's the better player. But on yeah. that night, he I was think dead. Tony Ralston's going to have to go a long way to have a worse evening than Elhamed <laughs> did that night. No doubt, yeah. He he had a, a disaster to the point where, I think, it, did it come out after the game or was it basically just the perception was that all they had to do, all Ferenc Farris had to do to win the game, I, was to run past them. They basically identified that very simple fact that he couldn't run anymore and just stuck a fast player straight on him. They made a sub, put a fast player on the guy who couldn't run and they scored. So <laughs> that, was that, that was basically it. El Hamid was a decent player when he played, but quite simply didn't play. Yeah, so if you're it. asking me right now, I'll take Ralston because he's going to be available all the time and you kind of know what you're getting with him. It might not be brilliant, but at least he's there more than often. That's not to say it's a major improvement because Juranovic would probably get a game over the well, two that's of them. that's it, that's it. Hey, I'm going to just take the midfield pair because they come as a pair on this occasion and for tomorrow night. Julian and Ayer. Midfielders? Oof. Sorry, central defensive. Central defensive pair of Julian and Ayer. I've got to say, I think they are better. I don't think there's, I don't think there's much debate to be had. They're better than Starfield and Carter Vickers, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to this point, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have confidence that those two guys can get better. And as, as I've already said tonight, I think the defence is getting better. But those that was a that was a very successful central pairing yeah, for Celtic. I mean, so good, yeah. really, really, yeah. really good players. Um, Julian obviously still to come back. Left back, well, it can't be bowling goalie because he's not registered. Greg Taylor's injured, so it's going to be Montgomery. And I think Greg Taylor played in the, the first game that we're talking about. Yep. I think he's a better player than Montgomery. I don't really yep. think there's much yeah, to yeah. debate there. Midfield, we've had midfield, Scott Brown. Um, David Turnbull? Is it fair to say Scott Brown replace him with David Turnbull? Because McGregor's uh, playing, so we can't really compare McGregor to McGregor. It's quite, and oh, that's quite abstract concept of what we're doing here. I, I would be willing to put Ralston in for Al Hamid because of what he did on the night, but then 
that's Tony Ralston of today. So we're putting Scott Brown of today in for like, Scott Brown. It's quite quite an abstract well, game we're playing. I know, so I don't want you to dis- disinstruct, uh, disconnect <laughs> it too much or, or de- deconstruct, deconstruct it. it yeah. Don't want you to deconstruct it too much, Stephen. I just want you to think to how how good a player Scott Brown was last year and look at your midfield yeah. selectors selections this year and go, do you know what? I'd rather have David Turnbull in than Scott Brown. Uh, Let's just keep it light and punchy for the listeners. No, but I, th- I think Turnbull, Turnbull did well in Europe last season, didn't he? I think he was... Was when he Leon, finally got a game? Yeah, when yeah. he finally came in, when he, when he signed in November, <laughs> he, finally, he finally came into the, the team. He actually played really well. And the Leo performance was what sparked his, mm. his Celtic career. So I, I probably would have, have him in the team. And Chalmer, Roderick, Melly? Uh, Roderick, again, but it's not it's not the best choice, is it? Mm. I think Chalmer might be the better player. I think Chalmer might be the better player. I think Brown might be the better player than Turnbull. Forrest. Oh, the comments we're going to get. Oh, Chalmer's a better player than Tom Roderick. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 get, I get what you're saying and looking at the, the two two starting lineups, just looking at them on iPad rather than paper mm. the one last year is probably a better team but this one right now is a is a team but this is uh-huh but that's what I'm doing mainly I'm Aye. saying who's better who's the better players but it's again the exact same the exact thing we said after the Ferenc Varos game is if you switch the managers in the dugout Celtic would have beaten them with Fred Rob in charge. If we put Ange Postacoglu again in charge of that Celtic team, Celtic would have won that game easily. What's Rob? Rob's full name again? It's Sergei, Sergei Francis Rebrov. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, okay, let's quickly wrap this up. The winger options of Forrest and Elianusi. I think in Jota we've got a player who is comparable to Elianusi. I think in people's Ooh. heads Elianusi is the better player and I know he's playing well at the moment. But I think... I think Jota's a good player. And I think yeah. if Jota, if I get a full season of Jota the way I got of Elianusi, especially Elianusi last season, who, who was probably one of our better players last season, I think I'm going to like Jota more, Melly. I uh, went to yeah. you first yeah, more often right. than not, so I'll go to Melly this time. Yeah, I was a big fan of Elianusi. He seemed to be get, get a lot of goals, but with Jota, he's getting goals, but he's got that more tricky winger about him. So I think in the fullness of time, he might be better. Plus, the fact that we could actually buy Jota, e- either or of them, would I'd be happy with. So. I, I agree with that. The only thing that would make El Yunusi stand out for me is because he was very, very good for Celtic over a long period. But, but Jota hasn't had that period. We're, we're talking about El Yunusi over two seasons yeah. rather than Jota's not even 10 games yet. So yeah, I, I couldn't really pick between those two. I'd be happy with either one. I think Forrest's better than Abada. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's much... As it stands, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's much conversation to be had. Up front, who did we have up front... For um, Rido Christie, oh, we had Ryan it? Christie up front. <laughs> I'd block that out. Two I'd... strikers at the bench, mate. We talked. We had about? Ryan Christie up front. Uh, yeah, the substitutes that night. We had Patrick Clamalla, who by all accounts is doing pretty well mm, yeah. um, in the league that he's playing in just now over in the states, and Albin Ajeti. And it was actually and, and uh, Frimpong was on the bench also. If you're interested, <laughs> uh, is it my imagination, Melly, or has Ange tried Christie up front this season? Yeah, uh, he's played out in the left, not up front. He's yeah. played out in the left, not up front. Uh, I think Furuhashi up front. Versus Ryan Christie up front is a bit of a no-brainer. <laughs> so ultimately, Stephen Melly, given that the team we've got there, do you think last season's team were a better squad of players, a better eleven than the eleven we've got to face Ferenc Varos tomorrow night? Uh, yeah, I think so. But I still think we've got a better chance of getting a result with the team we've got now. Last season was a squad. This is a team. Yeah, I think I think I think Melly makes a good point there, Stephen. I think oh, just before you jump in, what I mean by team as well is there's a togetherness, and we've seen that in the Aberdeen game at the end of the game, and this one that the players going to the crowd and all that. God, I've you missed that. that. Don't like I've it. really missed. Don't like it. Oh, I love it. I think it's making fun. Oh, all in on it. Do you know all what? In. I don't like this thing that Andrew's doing where he's doing that. It's like 
it, it, do you know why? It's given me Melly side glances to the camera there. Um, it's given me Ronnie Roar vibes. Like I lunch, <laughs> I love Ange, right? But good managers don't need a gimmick. Well, manager with a gimmick. Yeah, 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 I don't like a manager with a gimmick. And should what, just Neil Francis with his airplane. You love that. <laughs> oh, you? Well, that man can't do anything wrong, right? But Ronnie, Ronnie Francis, Fra- <laughs> Ronnie Francis, you fucking stole it. Aren't you? I didn't know you were going to say <laughs> that. <laughs> Ronnie Francis Dyla had a gimmick, right? And I just don't like a manager with a gimmick. I like the players doing it. That's all right. And just you stand back and like stoically just. Just do this. Just Glimmer. go. Yeah. Just do this. As it, Jamie looks at the camera, just do this and just go. <laughs> that is, that's the Robert Redford nod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Melly, just I, I think you you just finished up on there talking about the team before we move on from that. Do you mean to tell me you're going to sit there in that chair and tell me that that squad that I've heard about on a weekly basis since that no one no one liked each other and everyone wanted to go? Are you going to tell me that they weren't together in achieving their goals? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How dare you? I am so convinced that half of the team absolutely hated the fact that they were at Celtic last season. Um, interestingly enough, Ferenc Faros have still got uh, Seiger and Guin and Nguyen the two players. Nailed it. Nailed it. Definitely. Right, yep. definitely right. Uh, the two players that scored against us ever goal scorer on the evening was Ryan Christie, who has sadly departed to yeah. his boyhood heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Change of manager for Bournemouth as well. It's Stogier's the new manager instead of Sergei Rebrov. I think Rebrov won three titles in a row. Hmm. Look, you definitely a- mean Ferenc Varos, though. What not, did I say? Not, you said Bournemouth. Did I? Yeah, Ferenc Varos. Sorry, look, they're a good team. Three titles in a row. I think they won under Rebrov and they were in the Champions League last year. A team. So a, a wee, maybe a wee bit further ahead of Celtic in their development, but that's not to say they're a better team. They're full of international players, so they're that that tough one where I'm, I'm kind of going, look, Celtic should be able to beat this team, but then that's not really looking at them. They had a bad result of the weekend, yeah, yeah. beaten by a, one of the bottom of the league teams. So coming into this game, it, it, it's an interesting one because we'll be able to gauge Celtic. They've had the two tougher games already. This is where we can sort of judge Celtic on where they are right now. We need to get, we need to pick up some. If we're going, no, I said it today, it's a must win. Did he? Well, there you go. I mean, Europe is a bit of a distraction for us at the moment with the league form and everything else that's going on. For me, Europe is a bit of a sideshow. We don't need it. We've had really poor results in Europe so far, given the defensive records of both teams that we've already talked about. I'm expecting. No, a no. really, a really good night. No, no, written oh all my over. God. Goals, <laughs> bizarre kickoff time. We'll all be there. Yes, yes. Um, we will have reactions. We'll have preview, and we will also have uh, our dedicated. Help me out, Stephen. Celtic uh, fan TV. Celtic oh, fan yeah, yeah. TV video reaction. Tough one to from at the stadium, <laughs> we will have that for people on the All In Patreon tier. But that's it. That is another episode of Twenty Minute Tim's number two hundred and seventy-eight. Melly, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye, Stephen. Would you like to say goodbye? Yes, Jamie, I would. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.